0: Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Esminger.
1: And I'm Jeff Schutzee.
0: And we're going to start off with the news. So Jeff, what is happening in the world of animation?
1: Yes, Uh, there's a few news items. Since we're always reporting on just how much streaming is going on with animation these days, I figured I would report on a few big deals. First of which is, Alex Hirsch signed a deal with Netflix. And I got this from the Animation World Network. Quote, streaming giant Netflix has signed a multi-year overall deal with animation creator Alex Hirsch. Under the terms of the deal, Hirsch will exclusively develop new series and features for Netflix. I'm a big Alex Hirsch fan. I'm a big Gravity Falls fan. So I was just like, yes, let him create whatever he wants.
0: (laughs) Sounds good to me. I love Gravity Falls. It's Ah, a very very well-made show. Excellent animation, fun stories, good voice acting. So Mm -hmm. good for him. That sounds very exciting.
1: My sister and I used to camp in the Redwoods every year. Oh, nice. so that show just speaks to me, you know. Anyway, so second on the list is Crunchyroll is developing a new anime by themselves. This is a you know, from the ground up, new anime for their streaming service. It's called High Guardian Spice, and I should note that Alation Studios, which is AT&T's subsidiary for online video subscription, they are launching two studios in Burbank and Tokyo to make all this content for Crunchyroll, and and the first of which is High Guardian Spice. So, from their press release, Quote, High Guardian Spice is a show about four girls who are honing their sorcery skills at High Guardian Academy, and it's being created by Ray Rodriguez, who was previously a character designer on Amazon's Danger and Eggs, and the show's supervising director is Audu Payden, director of the Animaniacs. Hey, all right. Yeah, so that's cool. And, you know, it's a little too early to tell if I'm going to like it or not, because... I haven't seen any of the actual animation, but on YouTube, they released a kind of a teaser trailer showing the creators behind it and stuff, which is actually really cool because the creators behind the project, 50% female in all creative roles, which I thought was awesome. And the writer's room is 100% female.
0: Wow. So for that, I say hooray for women in the industry. I'm glad that they're bringing women in that's really cool yeah also really happy to hear that people that worked on Animaniacs and Danger yeah. and Eggs are gonna be working on that that's also neat and I just like that more and more things are happening yeah. you know just from different outlets because it used to be way back when when our parents were kids you we had three channels now there's just so many opportunities oh yeah
1: so much yeah and yeah I can't wait to see what they come up with so and then just a little story, Rooster Teeth I saw was spending $2.5 million on original animation projects for their channel, so ah. I thought that was cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, so former employer of yours, you worked out with them on a couple of different projects. Yes,
1: yes, yeah, and they were really fun to work with. They were really open to new ideas and just being like, cool, man, you know, do what you want, so I have all trust that we're going to see some cool stuff coming out of there. That is cool. So, yeah, and... One last thing for news is SIGGRAPH 2018 is over with and a bunch of the awards have been given out now and I thought I'd bring up that Tycho Studios uh, won the Audience Choice Award for their short One Small Step and so I just wanted to call them out, give a big congrats to co-directors Bobby Pontillas and Andrew Chessworth and all the talented artists at Tycho Studios for a well-deserved honor because that was a great short.
0: So congratulations Tycho. Yes, we both had an opportunity to watch it. It's a beautiful short and the folks over at Tycho are very nice. But yeah, just congratulations to Tycho. We really enjoyed the short and if you guys have not seen it, if it's playing in your area, I know that they've been touring the country and going to different studios and different places showcasing the short. So if they come to your area, if they come to your city, make it a point to go and see it. It is well worth your time.
1: And you got to see them talking about it and everything. I you? did.
0: I did. Yeah. They came to Nickelodeon, and mm. not only did they show the short, but they gave a wonderful presentation. So huh. that was a lot of fun awesome. getting to see the behind-the-scenes of how they figured out the story and the animation and the designs. And that's always neat. And they Mm -hmm. showed different tests of how they figured out things. So it was a lot of fun, especially a lot of the things that they did with hair. Because hair, simulated hair is difficult. It's (sighs) difficult to animate. It's difficult to rig. So to see what they were able to do with that, I was very impressed.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Cool. And then we have some box office news. All right. Let's see. Okay, so The Incredibles 2 has passed $600 million at the domestic box office, and now it's the, uh, the ninth film in history to do so. so wow. Far. Yeah, and internationally, worldwide, it's gone over $1.16 mm. billion dollars worldwide.
0: That just blows. There's countries yeah. that don't earn that much money. Oh yeah, in a it's year. Like <laughs> that's amazing.
1: Gross national product. I know. <laughs> I know. Pick a place. Like, yeah.
0: Well, hey, congratulations, Pixar. Congratulations, Brad Bird and team. Yeah. Wonderful movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. That, so that's amazing. And then also, since we've talked about Hotel Transylvania three, that's made close to half a billion worldwide, hey, which is help. amazing. And also, I oh, wanted to, uh, you know. Teen Titans Go to the Movies Yay. that has made 28.4 million domestically and around 42 million worldwide. So the production budget on that was only 10 million. So, you know, I hope this means that they get to make another theatrical movie because Teen Titans Go to the Movies was awesome. And that's it for the news.
0: All right. So now we'll get into events. So there are many events happening in the Southern California area. So first up, and this applies to not just SoCal, I should say, but everywhere, the Annie Awards are now accepting entries for the 46th Annual Annie Awards, which will be next year. So if you have something that you would like to submit, make sure to check out the website. And as with all the events, we'll have the links in the show notes. So make sure to check that out. Next up at Gallery Nucleus, in collaboration with Marvel and Insomniac Games, they're going to be presenting Marvel's Spider-Man, The art of the game. So that will be Saturday, September 15th at 7 p.m. And they're going to be having some of the artists who worked on the show. So, again, for more information, check out their site.
1: That's so So, cool. I'm so excited about that game. Mm -hmm. So, I want to go to that.
0: Yeah, you were saying the art looked really, really good.
1: Yeah, yeah. They have. In the game, there's all these different spider suits like throughout the comics, and mm-hmm. I think they even have some from the from the Marvel movies and all that stuff, so I cannot wait.
0: Yeah, yeah. this is just going to be the year of Spider-Man, because oh, yeah. then, you know, come Christmas time, it'll also oh, be awesome, so super looking forward to that, too. Mm-hmm. Also, Loop to Loop will be having another showcase soon. The theme is fear, so if you want to do something scary or fearful or <laughs> spooky in time for Halloween, The deadline is September 23rd, and your loops are due at 11.30 p.m. in your time zone, wherever you are. Jeff, Mm. I know that you got to do loop-de-loop when the theme was lucky. Do you think you'll be working on fear?
1: If I have time, I will totally do that because I love Halloween. And so, yeah, I could think of a bunch of fear-based stuff. Do you think you're going to... Get in on this one. I
0: can already tell you, I have no time. Okay. <laughs> but I hope to actually, I hope to be able to go to the screening yeah. and see everybody's very scary or psychologically thrilling or just bizarre shorts. Or gross. Or probably, just gross. Or, yeah. or just <laughs> scratching your head, going, "Well, that's well done. I don't understand, but that's okay because
1: they're all very interesting." Yeah, yeah, that should be a good one to see. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the Ottawa International Animation Festival is September 26th through 30th. So if you've always wanted to go to Canada, or if you're just really interested in animation festivals, I've never been to Ottawa, but I've heard from others that it is fantastic. So you can check that out. And then finally, in the month of September, speaking of spooky things... Fan Alley, which is run by Eva Swinski, who's running Ground Zero Animation Expo. They're going to be having an artist lodge and tribute gallery to Tim Burton and Laika. And that's going to be on Saturday, September 29th at 5 p.m. So you can go and you can buy scary art. I'm sure there'll be a lot of Paranorman fan art, which uh. just... Yeah. Makes my heart just so filled with joy to no end.
1: Oh yeah, and some Beetlejuice stuff. I'm oh, sure. it's gonna be some cool art. That yeah. would be good. Yeah, I
0: haven't seen that movie in years. Yeah, it's been a while. We need to showcase that this Halloween. That'll be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. And then, so for all of you out there who've always wanted to exhibit at a convention, now is your time because Ground Zero Animation Expo, Comic Con, and WonderCon are all accepting applications. For Comic-Con especially, they're offering a discount for artists that want to participate in Artist Alley until September 14th. Mm -hmm. So if you've always wanted to do this or you're thinking, hey, I should do this next year, I'm not quite sure. Go ahead and do it. Now's your time. You can save a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who want to exhibit at Ground Zero Animation Expo, they're accepting their applications for professionals and -and up-and-coming artists, and their deadline is November 1st. So make sure to go on their website and check that out. So that brings us to what we've been watching. So Jeff, what have you been watching?
1: I haven't so much been watching as playing. <laughs> I have been playing Red Dead Redemption on Xbox One uh, through its backward compatibility. It was originally an Xbox 360 game. And it's just an open world Western game. And it's developed by the Grand Theft Auto people uh, Rockstar. So, The sequel's coming out at the end of this year and I just, it's one of those games that I've wanted to play for so long because it's a classic. And it's great. It's showing its age a little bit. I think for its time it was probably, you know, a revelation, but now there are other better open world games. It kind of reminds me a lot of The Witcher 3 in a way because you're riding on a horse and getting all these little sub-quests and all this stuff, but it just made me kind of want to get back into Witcher 3 and finish it because I'm so far from finishing that game but anyway it's really good I'm loving the writing and it's a great game so far but yeah that's it for me what have you been watching Angela? I
0: thought you were gonna say that it made you want to get on a horse and just ride through the countryside
1: <laughs> that too yeah, yeah you're like
0: you know what I'm just gonna leave all this behind and go on my own personal quest <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah
1: no well yeah. I'll, I'll that. <laughs> that would be fun, but yeah. yeah. That'd be a lot of work. <laughs> That's
0: cool. That kind of. When you were describing it, because I've not played this game, but I just mm-hmm. thought of Westworld when you were talking about yeah. it. Is it. I mean, I don't know if there's robots involved, but is it anything like that, just in terms of just. Or is it kind of like like unforgiven or hang them high? Like, do you feel like you're Clint Eastwood in these in this game? Like, what exactly is the Yeah, setup? kind
1: of. I mean, it is set back in, you know the wild wild west so but having watched westworld both the original and the series Mm -hmm. because some of the movements are kind of robotic and some of the language is a little robotic you can totally pretend that you are in (laughs) westworld even though that's not you know the goal of this game yeah it's it's really good and i hear the the sequel is gonna have really just complex physics and the bullets that go into the chamber are gonna have weight and the trajectory is gonna be, you know, have wow. it's just yeah, so I think the sequel's gonna be just as revolutionary or whatever as the original was back when it came out. I think it came out eight years ago or Oh man, really? It's been a while, yeah. I think it came out in two thousand ten, so it's been a while.
0: It amazes me how far the industry has come, considering mm-hmm. how young it is, because you forget how young it is. Because we've always had it. There have yeah. always been video games. Yeah. But the generation right before us, they remember when they appeared. Oh, and yeah. so it's yeah. fascinating to me when you think about how this stuff's really only about 40 years old. That's yeah. not... That's one person's lifetime. That's not long at all. And considering it went from essentially Pong yeah. to this yeah, in such a short period of time, I just wonder, 40 years from now... Oh, what it man. will be.
1: It's going to be. Yeah, we probably can't even predict. Yeah. You know? Because, yeah, it's. I mean, I had an original NES, and that was only five generations of consoles ago. Because mm-hmm. the PlayStation's on the PlayStation 4, and the original PlayStation came out during the whole. You know, I guess that came out just right before the N64, so maybe we we're like six generations in It's not mm-hmm. that many. It's not that know? far. So, yeah, yeah, and I
0: still have my old NES and Sega. Yeah.
1: But oh, it's yeah. just kind
0: of funny looking at, this This is what this used to be. Everything yeah. was flat and 2D and 8-bit, and we thought that was the coolest oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I thought it could get no better when I was playing, like, Super Mario Brothers. It was like, yeah, video games can't get better than this. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we're playing these open worlds yeah. that just, you know, real people populate, and it's incredible what's mm-hmm. going on.
0: So for me, let's see, haven't watched a whole, whole lot, but I did get to check out the first couple of episodes of Disenchanted, so so far, I think the show is okay, but I've heard that it picks up towards the end of the season, so I'm looking forward to that. It kind of reminds me of when I first started watching Futurama. I love Futurama. First couple of episodes, I thought, eh, we'll see where it goes, so I have a feeling that Disenchanted might be kind of in the same vein. I will say I like the animation a lot, mm. and I like the backgrounds a lot, and I like the main character, Bean, who's the princess who drinks beer. I think she's really <laughs> yeah. interesting. So we'll see how that one goes. And then pretty much I've just been re-watching Voltron, mm. because there's entire sections of that show that I realized I had missed, because mm-hmm. I would have it on the background and I wouldn't really be paying attention. And then I would look up and something would be happening. I would go, who is this person? Where are they going? What is happening now? And so I decided just to start from season one and just completely rewatch the whole thing just to fill in the gaps. And I really like that show. I love action shows. I love space operas, but I think what I like the most about that show as opposed to other, I've watched a lot of anime Mm -hmm. with yeah (laughs) and what I like about this one in particular and this is not saying that the others don't have this but the relationships of the characters they're all fully realized fleshed out characters the show isn't just about hey let's form a robot and punch people it's about other things Mm -hmm. and I feel like everything else is the cake and the Voltron part is just the icing of it. And yes, I like yeah. that a lot. So, I know I've mentioned the show at least seven times. <laughs>
1: but I will mention it again. Watch Voltron. It's great. Uh, I gotta get back into that show. I gotta... I just... My watching list is packed. And so, hopefully I'll... But that is on it. Mm-hmm. So, And I know you love that show so much. It makes me want to like get back into it. You should check it out. But it's funny and I'm sure the listeners can relate what you said about you had it on in the background and then mm-hmm. you were like, wait a second, I totally missed some valuable information there because that's totally what happens to me when I try and watch something in the background while I'm working. Mm-hmm. Well, one of two things happens. Either I miss valuable information and I have to re-watch something or I start watching it and yeah. get invested and then hour, two hours goes by and I'm not working. I'm like, what? Yeah. Where did the day go? So, yeah. yeah.
0: It's actually why I've stopped mm-hmm. watching things while I work. Yeah, now I'm I just I listen way. to music, I listen to podcasts, or I just don't listen to anything. Right. I have found that it is virtually impossible for me to have any type of entertainment on a screen mm-hmm. happening while I'm drawing or right. I cannot do that. Yeah, There's right. no such thing as multitasking for me in that realm. No. It's just, nope, I just have to do what I'm doing and I hack my TV. Time later
1: yeah i'm the same way sometimes yeah i can't even listen to music i can't listen to anything with any sort of talking or whatever because i'll just get distracted mm-hmm. even just like soundtracks sometimes i've tried to listen to those and sometimes it helps with the mood depending on the soundtrack but sometimes i just need the silence especially if i'm trying to figure something out that i'm mm-hmm. trying to draw but yeah i know people who can watch TV shows, listen to podcasts while they're writing, while they're... I, I'm just not one of those people.
0: that say good for them. <laughs> that's great. Yes. I, I salute your mental prowess. Yes, yes. I don't care to do that, and that's also fine. <laughs> and same for you. Yeah, so that then brings us to our main event. So we are very happy to be showcasing part two of our interview with Alina Chow, Alina is a wonderful person. How did you feel about part two?
1: I loved this interview. Uh, The biggest takeaway for me was I loved how she talks about how she got to where she is now and she got that way by choosing the right projects both for her mental and physical health because I feel like I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, Mm -hmm. choosing the right projects instead of just choosing the, the ones that are gonna bring the most money or the ones that are the most convenient. Like, make sure you are taking care of yourself before you just take anything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great lesson, Yeah, you know?
0: I think that's true, but I also feel like you come to that point in time. Mm-hmm. I know especially when, if you have certain deadlines or if there's a certain goal you're trying to meet or if wherever you are in your career, Sometimes you have to take the job that's maybe not as fun, yeah. or you have to take the job that pays more so that you can support your rent or mm-hmm. your family. And there's no shame in that at all. No. I think that is a very honorable and good thing to do because that is also taking care of yourself, you know, knowing that hey, the professional mature decision is I gotta go ahead and take this mm-hmm. so that I can subsist. But it's great when you can get to the point where you can start having choices. Right, and those choices aren't always in the beginning or even in the middle mm-hmm. of a mm-hmm. career, but when they present themselves, or when you're able to say, "Hey, I can pivot now." Right, it's really cool to meet someone when they've done that, yes. and to know that that can work. Yes, and that's something that is in the future for you and for me. Right. You know that it's will like, happen. That's
1: the ideal. That's that is the yeah shining. That's thing the, on the ideal hill.
0: and the goal, <laughs> right. and so it's cool to to know that that's something that can be worked towards too
1: right yeah absolutely
0: so that's great so without further ado we're happy to present episode 78 interview with alina chow part two For most of the picture books that you've worked on, has it been your agent or an art director at a publishing house contacting you or has it been a writer contacting you saying, and I work at this publishing house, so here's the person to talk to, you know, I've requested that they have you as the artist for the book that I'm doing.
2: Yeah, that is that That's that kind of situation, so anytime anyone wants me to work on their book, they have to go through my agent, mm-hmm. so my agent would be the person, like the gatekeeper so anyone is an author attached to publishing house or publishing house want me to work on any project, they always have to go through my agent, and partly also just make the whole contract easier. Also, it's just me, there's some people that are really savvy with contract and negotiation i'm not very good with contract negotiation and salary negotiation so personally i just feel more comfortable have my agent handle that she tend to be able to get me better deal than if i were the one <laughs> i'm like, they're much more savvy with all the legal uh-huh. stuff so they would advise me i would try to ask for them. and you probably need a little bit of protection say so if there's X amount of revision, or sometimes it's not even in the contract. That's one book is. That's one time I do a illustration. It turned out to be they. I do exactly what they ask, but then when they see, it they change their mind. Say, oh, it's not your fault, but we would like this to be changed. So that means I have to redo a lot, and then my agent will step in and say, "We were happy to do that, but you have to pay us a little bit more." So she can step Mm -hmm. out and say yes that's not a problem we will totally do whatever you want but we need x amount of stand let's talk about this Mm -hmm. before we. so that is handy because a lot of that kind of conversation is hard for artists to say that to a client directly and sometimes you always worry the client will get pissed off and they will never come back Mm
0: -hmm. in the future
2: but then when it's another person's that beans that well yes we are happy to do that but you know by contract we need to renegotiate that. So mm-hmm. that always made me feel more comfortable since I'm terrible at doing that kind of negotiation
0: myself. So Yeah, that's good mm-hmm. to know. How did you get your agent?
2: Oh I apply online and so looking for agents so that's one of the lessons I learned when I decided to do independent is I have a different agency before my current agent and that's a hard lesson I thought oh I just apply to any good agency and I'm just excited anyone would be willing to represent me so I signed with one of the biggest art rep in New York and oh yeah I'm awesome. and they rap a lot of cool artists that I admire and awesome but I did not know <laughs> how to work with an agency in the beginning they do rap a lot of people in fact they rap a little bit too much people for someone like myself who is a newbie in the whole illustration publishing community so i'm not standing out in any way and they have like two three hundred clients in their bucket Mm -hmm. so they would take care of people they work with for a longer time and they're more familiar with their style or their voice before they work with me so i end up i would get really strange gig that does not exist in my portfolio i would never get any of those gigs because i don't have that kind of portfolio in Mm -hmm. that kind of work in my portfolio so Mm -hmm. the client will never pay me so i only get over two years with that agency i only get one book project that that one book project is a good project but that's about it so by the second year i get frustrated it's a two-year one project that's really not enough job so i talked to friends they said i think you should change agency it doesn't look like this agency is working out for you you should be getting a little bit more job even for newbies two-year-one project that's very very few so i talked to them i said okay i want to cancel the contract and try a different career direction Mm -hmm. and then within the week i tell them i want to terminate the contract they suddenly have tons of projects ah it's one Uh, of
0: those where it's like oh wait no, don't leave us. It's like, well, you should have done this the whole time.
2: So, I end up telling her, I would happily take the project, but I'm still terminating (laughs) the project. (laughs) Because it's like, I feel like, well, if you're only going to represent me when I I want to leave, that's Mm -hmm. not going to be enough for me to leave off. Yeah. So
0: I need Jobs. Jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a bad relationship.
2: Yeah, so I kind of learned the lesson the hard way. It's like, oh, it's important to not just have them pick you, it's very important as artists to pick the right agent for yourself. And a right agent doesn't always necessarily mean they have to be famous and big company. It has to be that person you can establish a good trusting relationship and good communication Mm -hmm. with and it can be an equal communication it's not like the agent feel like they control your career it has to be balanced it's that you can tell them what you want what is your goal Mm -hmm. and they help you to get
0: there Mm
2: -hmm. so it has to be a respectful healthy trusting Mm -hmm. communication relationship so with that lesson learned the second time i find an agent i keep that in is that i've realized like it's not just they pick me i have to pick them too
0: mm-hmm. so i
2: apply to a bunch of places and a few places respond to me so you talk on the phone do all the interview and this time round, i'm much more aware it's not like a job interview job interview is the company pick you with agency is that like they pick you you also have to pick them so I take notes this time. Say, okay, I talk to five different people, and I write down how I feel about them. Mm-hmm. And then I also ask them tough questions. Like they ask me tough questions, I also ask them tough questions. And I said, okay, this is my career goal. I give them my most ambitious career goal. It might seem so ambitious and ridiculous, but that's what I want to work towards. So I can't tell them I know it's not easy reach this goal and i realistic some it could be impossible to reach this goal mm-hmm. but that's the direction i want to head to i want this 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 and this and then some people that are, and they're honest too they're like wow well, we some people say yeah we feel comfortable to help you work towards that direction as long as that you really you realistic about your goal it's not easy to reach i said i totally get that i know it could be impossible to get there but At least that's the direction I want to head to and want to have full support. And some people, they're honest, they say, well, I don't know about that. Maybe we can try to work with each other for years, see how things go. But I'm like, well, I really don't want to talk to, find another agent in a year. If it doesn't work out, that's going to waste my time. Mm-hmm. But then it's good to have all those conversations up front. And I find this new agent that I signed with now, and she's awesome. And she said, oh, yeah, we are comfortable. And she said, as far as you're realistic, you know how ambitious your goal is, so it's not guaranteed I said no I told you no it's not guaranteed but I want to work towards that direction mm-hmm. she said oh and that's fine as long as you know what you're asking and we are happy to help. I know with me since English is not my first language which is challenging in publishing because when you write my writing is not going to be as good as someone who English is their mother tongue. So I also make that upfront and said well I need help with writing. I can tell good story I'm an excellent story writer storyteller but I'm not a good writer when it comes to technicality linguistic technicality grammar language structure I need time to grow and she said yeah we can work with that we can work with you help you with that and also if when the time comes you sell a book if you need editorial support we can you up with people or talk to the publishers see what they can so they're really supportive so i'm like okay now i feel comfortable because i talked to some Asian, they will say oh okay yeah you do have an asset and <laughs>
0: it's like well if that's a problem for you then fine. yeah
2: right. that's yeah. pretty much she said mm-hmm. she said oh you do have an asset wow and you want to go you want your career to be there that would be a little bit challenging. And I said, like, are you even an American citizen? Because where you want to go, you kind of have to be a citizen to get some national award. Because I want to, I said, I would like to get some book award someday. Mm-hmm. Not now, maybe someday would be nice. Mm-hmm. That like, well, you kind of have to be a citizen to do that. I said, i not now, you know. It's like you want to set your goal high, yeah. you want to reach the star. I yeah. know yeah. how hard to go to the star, but it's, it's- like... And like, then as I start judging is
0: it?" that make me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like, do y'all know what a goal means? Nah. It means something <laughs> in the future that you work towards. Yeah,
2: and then I'm also realistic. Like I know people can say they want to get Oscar and they never get it. That's fine. I want to aim for something Mm. big but if i didn't get it i'm not going to go depressed and commit suicide or something but i just want to like work towards that direction so i can always push myself to be improve faster Mm. but then the way she talked to me it made me feel that i'm talking to my elementary school english teacher is like how many grammatical mistakes in one sentence clearly you are not the one
1: yeah you want someone to be like your sights are a little too high. Let's bring them down here. Yeah. yeah no. So
2: I was like, uh, no. Yeah. So... I know you have awesome resume. I'm sure you're a good agent, but not my type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm already frightened talking to you as if I'm yeah. talking to elementary school yeah, English I teacher. I'm on your behalf. Like,
0: Who is this person? <laughs> it's like I need to have a conversation with them.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so eventually, that's kind of the second time I discover it's important to find the right person because you have to work with that person, and especially with an agent, when you're developing a story idea in the beginning. No story idea is perfect in the beginning when you say, hey, I got this idea. It seems like a fun story idea and then you want to share with your agent because they're like your creative partner. It's like, what do you think? And they will think, yeah, I can see the potential of it. And then they give you positive feedback and then you go back to the drawing board and work with it. So that make you feel comfortable so they don't share you down. And say, what a stupid idea. It's you got this whole, this story is not going to work. <laughs> no. And then you say, like, but this the." Uh, it's not even a first job, it's just an idea. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to see share. So it's important to like that person, they will totally get. It's like, I understand this is just a brainstorming idea. It has potential, and this is how I feel that will help. So it's like you want to be like creative partner, not someone just shut you down and say, what a stupid idea.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like, hey, if I wanted the middle school approach to this, I would have asked somebody who's 12, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, eh. well, congratulations on your new agent. That's awesome, and also your graphic novel that you're working on. Mm. I'm very excited about that and. Is there anything you can tell us as far as like how it's going or like the process of it?
2: Yes, uh, I can talk a little bit about it, not too much. So the title is Marshmallow and Jordan. You'll be published by First Second and tentative release date will be end of 2019-ish. We don't have a real date yet because I'm still working on the book. So I'm somewhere writing in chapter four. Need to get cracking. <laughs> 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 I need to get cracking on it. Um so yeah, it's a middle grade picture book estimate 250 page ish and for this particular one i do pitch is going to be watercolor I'm going to watercolor the whole thing. So that is going to be challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the story is about this little girl. She's about 12 years old, early 12 years old. And she first year, middle grade. The story starts in her first year in middle grade. But before the story happened, a few years before the story happened, she was in elementary school. And she's like the captain of the little lead basketball team and they win the national championship. So her dream is to continue her basketball athletic career. She wanted to be a professional athlete. But then a couple of years before she go to middle school, she get into a car accident and she paralyzed from the waist down. So when she go to middle school, she's still part of the team. She still play with the team, but she cannot compete for because she cannot no longer run. And then one day she meet an elephant. And this elephant is a bit special, so we can't get too much into it. They become friends and the little elephant eventually help her to discover a new spot that she can pursue and work towards the, as a professional ethic. it's not going to basketball but it'll be something different mm-hmm. so it's a story about friendship trust adjustment how to adjust adapt in life and it'll be a lot of funny moments and yeah so that's all the part I can talk about okay. otherwise no. we'll talk about more you'll so be is, spoiler. Then <laughs> yeah. no one want to read it ah we know the story we're not going to read oh, the book God. anymore <laughs> I want
0: everybody to read it but I, I like that story and also something you mentioned in you know when we're in your creativity class i was just wondering too if you could share a little bit about just your ideas of creativity and your ideas about story because i feel like a lot of your stories are very fun and they're very whimsical and there's definitely a deep core in there that mm-hmm. people can relate to and i was wondering Thank you. Where does that come from? Like, can you speak to that of just your process for creating stories? Oh, uh,
2: in terms of the story, it comes from a lot is my own childhood because I also do mostly kids genre. I don't really do grow up story too much, mostly for children. A lot I draw from my own childhood. And the the thing I like. And also, sometimes it's the thing I like, and sometimes it's as, as a kid, the kind of thing that make me feel uncomfortable and insecure, and how I would adapt. And I'm a little bit of a quirky kid when I was little. I'm my only child. And then most of my... It, it's a traditional Chinese family, so most of my cousins and the group of kids that are among, along my age, they seem to be somehow more mature than them because they're more into... Math, language—they are much more savvy with more mature the like subject matter. I'm just like drawing cartoon, <laughs> watch cartoon all day, and then by the time I'm teenage, I'm still draw cartoon and play with toys all day, and then you just see all the relatives say, like, "Is there something wrong with this kid? I'm still watching cartoon and play with toys?" So, <laughs> so it's like there will be uncomfortable moment because you see the other cousin and they are like got really good grade in math and. And then they go to good college and then they they're really accomplishing like computer science business and medicine and law whatever and then they say I is and I'm introvert too I'm not it doesn't help I'm the only child so when I get to interact with the grow up and relatives. So they already kind of think I'm a little bit off. And then, <laughs> when you talk to them, it doesn't help. It's like everyone talk about something really sophisticated by the time a teenager. They talk about social content, social sensitive content, latest news on Wall Street, blah blah blah, politics. I'm like, what have you been doing? Oh the latest Miyazaki movie. Oh. <laughs> this is a new toy I could have my new collection. Oh I got new comic. <laughs> something really wrong with this kid. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so a lot of my story So, I mean, they're fun, but at the same time, so it's also you got the ugly again everything. Yeah, just something wrong with this. There's, there's something, just you learn the head. Probably your parents dropped you on the f-
0: when you were baby and
2: hit <laughs> <like>, oh, <laughs> the the wrong way. I <laughs> oh,
0: no. no, that's. <laughs> Can relate to that. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, still, yeah. I still I still feel like that whenever I met some older relatives it's say, like, hey Alina what have you been there? I'm writing comic books <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but <it's> a cartoon. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, so it it's always feel so a lot of those I put it in my story. Mm-hmm. I mean most kids I'm sure they have other issues. They wouldn't reflect in the same way but I guess that still never go away sometimes even if I talk to my mom. So mom, how are you doing why are you busy and I, oh i got this comic book contract with a second a really awesome comic book i'm writing this 250 page comic my mom is like oh, that's yeah. good yeah. good for you and i'm thinking i'm not sure my mom take my whole comic book writing
0: seriously right. Right. yeah i would say a solid 50 of conversations with my parents are about movies and comics and at this point they just know <laughs> that if when i call it will be you know how are you how are things going how's the family and then it will turn into so this is the recent movie that i saw with this director and have you seen it this is what i liked about it. did you see it and their response is usually i like this line of dialogue i like this part and i'll be like i like the lighting and they're like okay <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so, it's a when i go yeah. <laughs> home. Listen, my folks is like we still go to toy store and if we go to books there usually people go travel back home you do Mm -hmm. something adult with your parents they take your parents out for a nice sophisticated dinner and go to nice store to buy whatever sophisticated fashionable item i'm like hey dad what's the latest toy store in asia i want to see the latest toy (laughs) oh that's the new bookstore hey let me go to the children's book department pick Mm. up the latest coming what's hot in asia right now yeah and then i look at my dad i said hey dad I feel bad for you. He's like, why? He's like, you know, other people at your age, they have little grandchildren. They take to toy store and comic book store to buy comics and toy. You kind of just stuck with me is like you still take your daughter to comic books and toy store you didn't really get to do like adult thing with your daughter ever and he's like that's fine I just don't feel I ever get old he's <laughs> like you're keeping me young yeah because I'm like usually kids by our age we take our parents to something really fancy and nice and i say, like, hey, sorry dad you just stuck with me going to comic book
0: store I find what helps though is when you have your own place and you have your own car and you have your own job and they see that oh you're not homeless you're not starving you're not living in our basement Oh, this whole comic cartoon movie thing is working okay you know yeah, it's like, I feel yeah. like once they see that you're actually able to that's take true. care of yourself and pay yeah. your bills and then if they see you know if you're working on something they see your name and credits it, yeah then it becomes real and then it, yeah. it can also come because that. that's what happened with me like once i got a job and they could come to the studio and they could meet my supervisors and yeah. friends and they could see like this is my desk this yeah. is my computer this, this is, is my stuff and it went okay, this is real and you're not the only adult here. There's a bunch of all these other adults wearing graphic tees and and whatnot and they all have jobs and cars and they're all doing their thing. Okay, okay, this is real.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Same with my. I, I mean, now they get used to it. But yeah. But then there's still other non-parents, like other relatives. they, I don't think everyone get it. Yeah. yeah that one just never grow up. Yeah. everyone one that
0: moved out yeah. to California?
2: You know, they moved <laughs> yeah. out to Hollywood. And you're like,
0: <laughs> nah. Not- Quite, but sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, you yeah, had the cocky one. Yeah, he's
0: still alive. So yeah, yeah, yeah. she's still alive. hold well, that's she's Okay, she's, like, she's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Not <laughs> quite dead yet. Nope. <laughs> they're not dead. They come to the family functions. They say hi. They're very, in my case, they're very popular with my cousins' kids. <laughs> yes. So, yes you yeah. You know, it's like you send them drawings and stuff, and they're like. Ah so i still yeah. get shoved to the kids table
2: <laughs> yeah, i will go Same to here. family yeah. i will go to the family dinner doesn't matter whose family is that yeah. like, alina oh great okay here's this clay on some clay on a sketchbook for you and that's your chip <laughs> <laughs> so i just shoved to the little kids table during every single thanksgiving oh okay oh my my, the kids are sent to draw on the tablecloth we got like newsprint tablecloth all the kids are drawing there we got crayon and the table is you can draw whatever you want so on here for you or the color you want. So,
0: that's your table. I've oh, <laughs> no, never right? bought the five, six years old. You're <laughs> oh, no. we like, you know, I can also sit with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but <laughs> I like sitting at the children's yeah. table because it's yeah. like you said, mm-hmm. I don't really want to talk about politics That's true. Or whatever, yeah, I don't want to You know, at that. some of these fun yeah. things. I'd rather talk about or talk with these kids who are Really excited that you can yeah. draw or, you know. So, talk about, yeah, I know, you know I just get assigned
2: to draw mermaid or robot or whatever popular mm-hmm. the kids want me to draw at a kitty session.
0: That's funny. See, I like yeah. both. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like, I like spending half, it's pretty much at any family function. Half the time, okay, let's go talk with you about this. And when I get tired of that, then I go and talk <laughs> to the kids because the kids are like, oh, I like this show and this, that, and the other. I'm like, cool, all right, let's chat. So, <laughs> That's good though. I'm glad to hear that while they might not 100% get it, that they're supportive. Yeah. So like, that's the most we can ask. It's yeah. like, you don't have to fully understand it. Just yeah. support me in my whimsy and yeah. what I'm doing. And that's, that's works, you know. Yeah.
2: But I think with a lot of new career type these days, like, some are so new, I don't even get it. Like, mm-hmm. To be honest, like people who do social media. Yeah. I never understand those, but I respect them. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't get your job. Mm-hmm. Right at all and uh, you're on instagram every day i don't get it but hey you're successful You're yeah you that's awesome good for you so i think Yay. there's a lot of the new kind of job is mm-hmm. so different it's like you don't have to understand mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well it's amazing because a lot of the jobs now the infrastructure for them didn't exist yeah. even five mm-hmm. years ago so there's jobs Absolutely. now where i mean I think we were talking about like friends and family day like youtube stars just the fact that there's yeah. a thing called a youtube yeah. star yeah, and yeah. That you can make money by unboxing things yes yeah, yeah i don't Amazon get that but now people will watch you having a reaction yes. to something that you pulled out of a box right. and somehow that's a job like good for you <laughs> yeah good for you to tapping yes. into this uh, thing i uh, did not know that would even be a thing
1: Yeah. Or the Twitch streamers who are getting millions of dollars. Yes. The people who play Fortnite or Uh, Dota or video games, and they broadcast it on Twitch or whatever mixer. And then they get sponsors or they get people donating a dollar or five dollars right and making six seven figures for this and yeah getting sponsors like disney you know that a couple of them didn't work yeah. out so yeah. well but you know they're yeah it's a huge yeah. career right? yeah, yeah. It's, it's
0: good for you it's yeah. like hey yeah you can, you can parlay that into a career and feed yourself mm-hmm. and buy the things you need to buy to stay afloat as long as it's not to me it's like, hey, as long as it's not illegal and you're not causing harm to yourself or others, yeah. go Yeah. So
2: I'm like that's all this new form of career is that hey, I respect you guys. I don't get it, but I totally respect. Mm-hmm. That's
0: well, good for even, you. Even like what you were saying, how when you went into your interview with ILM and they knew you because of your work online. Right. Yeah. There was no online when yeah. all of us were first in school, like I'm yeah. talking elementary school. That did not exist. Exactly. So the fact that yeah you can publicize yourself before you oh, get yeah. an agent, you're kind of your yeah. own agent, just letting people know I exist. This is what I'm yeah. about. That's amazing to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's
2: true. And and I always tell people is that when I was in school, like when I was in college, like there's only if you want to learn animation, there's only a handful of books. Like you can't finger maybe like the more prestigious one are uh, Fran Ollie, mm-hmm. Illusion of Life, Richard William and then Preston Brayer and then maybe a couple of other smaller titles that's it but now this day if you want to learn animation you have no money to buy expensive books or video you go to youtube you learn everything you want mm-hmm. like from concept drawing painting how to animate 3d how to animate two D. you don't even need to buy books mm-hmm. and like back in the days that like if you want to learn animation it's like Read the books and watch some making of video of whatever
0: movie. So yeah, it's, it's the resources are just mm-hmm. so massive now. But even that, just the fact that there's making ofs on the fact that there's DVDs and Blu-rays, and there's yeah. like making of of people that we're gonna show you how we did it. Yeah, because when it first started. They didn't have that at all. It's like, how do we do this? We don't know. Yeah. We it's have magic. to figure this out. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, a, magic yeah. Yeah. it's, it's a, a magic about. button. It's
2: a magic button. That's right. <laughs> this have... company yeah. does not exist. <laughs> I just,
0: no. I think back to Snow White, it's like, okay, so first step, we have to teach all these guys how to draw. Not even we have to yeah. make a movie. First, we have to teach them how to draw a woman and yeah. how to draw a deer. And how right. to draw a wolf. So we're gonna bring in people. And live animals and we're gonna teach you how to draw. Yeah. Then we're gonna teach you how to make that move. Then we're gonna teach all of you how to paint it. Mm -hmm. And then we're gonna teach you how to make it into a movie. And we hope this works. Because we're over budget.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if it doesn't work If it doesn't work, we're done. done. We are done.
0: We have no more company. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's ah Make things, you guys.
2: Yeah, totally. Is that you you can just make things and put it
0: online and make that
2: into something yeah and and if it doesn't work
0: just make more
2: exactly
1: making it something works Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true you know i also wanted to talk to you a little bit about you were saying earlier that you felt a little quirky you know because of your interests but also you have such a variety of cultural identities you mentioned indonesian chinese now you're in north america does that make you feel quirky and does that have an influence on your writing and art
2: it does yeah it does because like growing up in a chinese society with family has a strong indonesian influence growing up it was interesting i kind of got that i wouldn't use the word discrimination but you got that adaptation issues you look chinese you are 100 percent chinese but then when i go to school i find the accent because my accent is not pure chinese my family they speak Indonesian at home. I don't speak the language, but I pick up all the accent and then we also speak Mandarin at home. At the time Hong Kong speak Cantonese and mm-hmm. English. So I got all those mix of accent, just the accent in school already get teased by people say, What I what's wrong with you? Oh. <laughs> and then but you're Chinese, I have the occasion the school have exchanged students, they are foreigner, they are Japanese or Korean. Mm-hmm. Those kids, they don't get teased because they know, everyone know. oh, you're, you're Japanese. So the fact you speak some Chinese and speak pretty well, they're like, you're awesome. But with me, it's like even you you speak Chinese, but your Chinese sounds funny, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely all those. So, but then at the same time, it's fascinating to me because I, I got this Indonesian influence. I never been to the country when I was little, but then all the relatives, they visit there, bring back art clothing food mm-hmm. and even my grandmother she she was born and grew up there so the, her cooking and stuff is all so mm-hmm. i kind of got that mixed culture so in a way what is interesting with me is even though i grow up i born and grew up in a chinese society and hong kong at the time is a british colony too so you are chinese but you are not chinese citizen you are british citizen so is all this are really interesting? All this mix of nationality. I I think for the longest time I feel pretty. I wouldn't say confusing. I don't have a country that I feel like is a home home, mm-hmm. because it's a little bit of everything, and then you're you're living on a colony. So it's a, it's that kind of home, but not really. And then I kind of fit in the Chinese society, but not hundred percent. And then I move here. So move here is the beginning. Is the adaptation is not too bad because it's like. I never feel that like I'm quite 100% fit in anywhere, anyhow. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just like, just from one country to another country, is about the same. Mm. <laughs> but then it, they do affect the arts. That's why my art tend to have a touch of South Asian culture. Mm-hmm. There are some British influence still, some European sensibility. That's like the Chinese. And then like living in America, they adapt a lot of American culture in this. So... Even with storytelling, it is a little bit of mix. Um, like when I'm doing my comic books, I'm really aware it's a certain story structure that definitely is a very American storytelling structure. But when I'm designing the panel, I cautiously put in some anime influence because that's what I grow up. I watched Mm -hmm. anime growing up. And then some of the mannerism of the children. The story takes place in Indonesia in the book. So some of the mannerism and how kids talk and respond is definitely a little bit more Asian than American. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just aware of that. And then I, I was slightly subconscious when I pitched that story to the publisher at first. I tried really, really hard to... Actually, initially, I, I didn't even pitch the story is take place in Indonesia, because mm-hmm. I, I was worried If I say the story take place in Indonesia, the publisher will turn me down. Mm-hmm. Because it's an American publisher, the book is going to be released for American audience. So I was trying really hard to say come up with a fantasy location it's like it's um it's like kind of like hawaii-ish but not really because hawaii has that pacific culture mm-hmm. and come up with a fictional more fictional location just undescriptive which country but a little bit more tropical cultural and then when the publisher come back it's like ah oh, how do you get this story idea actually they read, somehow they reflect the location because they said this is a fantasy location but the story is pretty realistic story they're fairly realistic stories. Why don't you use a real geographical location? They don't get it because they're like kind of pseudo American harai, but they know it's not because the content just it doesn't read like that. Mm-hmm. So, and I told them. They said, "Do you actually in your mind is the real location?" I said, "Yes, in my mind the story is in Indonesia, and it'll be Bali, Indonesia, because it's the story is strongly tied to a Hindu cultural." And they're like, "Oh." That's good to know. And they're like, why do you make up all this location then? If you already have, if in your head, it's a very clear physical location and physical culture. Because I'm worried if I say out loud, the story takes place in Indonesia with a Hindu cultural background, you guys will not want it because the reader will be American. He said, no, we want it even more because that will introduce new culture to the American oh, no, reader. That'll great. be even better. It's better than you this confusing pseudo mix east midwest random location that we get really confused what is this place and (laughs) it doesn't make sense because some of the characters say i I don't get it Mm -hmm. but then now you give me a real location now it totally makes sense then why don't you just focus Mm -hmm. putting the real cultural setting in your story you'll be and i'm like Thank you. That actually will make writing this story so much easier because I'm struggling how to translate all this jumble of culture and make this story work. If you allow me to tell the story in the actual location i have in mind actually the story will be a lot better they're like yes please (laughs) please because now we are really confused reading this i said where the heck is this place in her head (laughs) why does she make up a fake location when the story is pretty real and then i'm like no because i thought no one would want to uh, want to hear a southeast asian story they're like no we want that that would be really cool i'm like Thank you. That actually made my life so much easier. I can put all my culture, all the stuff that like more the feeling I have, like actually in the book, the kids go to international school and then they have friends from Japan. They have American friends, they're Australian friends, they're also local people, local have different... In Indonesia, they have different religion. than Muslim and Hindu. It's kind of touchy-touchy with some of the religious groups. So I can have a little bit of those and I subtly discuss about all those social conflicts and stuff in a really subtle, kitty way. Not like, hey, this is a real social but yeah. And I make it feel very relatable because that's kind of what we are living in right now too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes different group of people have conflict and it's not necessary. Sometimes people are not mean about, Mm they try to be mean to each other. It's just misunderstanding because of cultural differences or religious differences. You have misunderstanding and you try to interpret someone else have it with your own cultural or religious belief and it just doesn't work and there's miscommunication and stuff so I can actually apply those in my story and then we're not really making up fake religions right. for it yeah. so yes the yeah. issue will make my life so much more easier yeah. thank you like a
0: different yeah. cult very different cultures very different religions yeah but,
2: uh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah at first I thought they would not want that but then mm. they said no that would be cool you should do it and like, okay thank you yeah, that's great. So yeah, definitely my story a lot is like draw from my own mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. I can't yes. wait to read
1: this. It's, yeah, it's me really too. Cool. Yeah. That
0: sounds yeah. really good. I want to see, since, you know, you have this deadline, you have all this work. How do you, I'm always wanting to know how people manage their time when they're working on projects like this so that they know, hey, I need to go to sleep now. I need mm. to eat now. I need to spend time with friends and family right. now. like. How do you balance that out so that it's not just, I'll just work 90-hour weeks every week on this?
2: Oh, um, I treat it just as like a studio job. Ever since I left studio, I still keep the same schedule between 7.30 to 8.30 because I'm I don't have to commute so i can depend how tired i am usually i try to be like maybe 7 30 to 8 ish i wake up eat breakfast like normal 13 minutes to 45 minutes breakfast and then start work for sure at 9 sharp so it's that like if i have a studio gig that will be show up at work at 9 mm-hmm. and then lunch time 12 to 1 and then just that one hour window and then at the studio, say, if you know you have too much work, you have to OT and you don't want to OT late. You just either go to work a little bit early or just chip in slightly more times at the end of the day and say, if I have to go grocery shopping in the middle of the day, so that minus 30 minutes, either chop off my lunch hour to 30. So I keep the exact the same studio hour at home. And by around 6.30, 7, then I'm like, End of work day, shut down computer, do fun stuff, mm-hmm. and then eat. So I pretty much keep the exact studio routine. I never changed that even after I left the studio. And one thing I learned when I was working at studio, especially my first few years working for game company, I hate OT. Mm-hmm. At EA, they make people work 10 to 12 hours a day, plus Saturday and sometimes Sunday, and that damaged my health for a while, mm-hmm. doing that for a long time. So I learned the lesson that said, I do not want OT. So if I need OT, I can't keep the ideal OT I would like, say, at studio. Say, I don't want OT Monday to Friday. Definitely no OT on Saturday. And Monday to Friday, OT is only if it's necessary. So if there's a milestone, an important milestone, I have to deliver X amount of chapter to my editor or I set up this milestone that I have to finish this chapter by this date or else the rest of the production will get pushed back too far. Then I will chip in the OT, otherwise I don't do OT at all. So I pretty much keep that studio discipline. I feel like pushing yourself too much is that like if you feel overtime too much, it's actually become counterproductive. I learned that when I was working for studio. you can OT 10, 12 hours a day. You feel that like you do a lot. actually after a while, you're just so tired, your average productivity go down. So mm-hmm. say normally you can draw 10 drawings a day. but then when you're so tired, you probably end up only draw three to four drawings a day, but then you're sitting there for extra five to six hours and that's not worth it. So I learned my own pattern. So I'm like, wake up early, do my thing. And then when I'm tired at the end of the day, shut down computer, have a normal, healthy dinner, watch TV, and then start the whole thing next day. So that worked out
0: pretty well. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. Very disciplined. It
0: is very disciplined, which you have to have, though. Mm -hmm. Like Every person I know who works from home or freelances, you have to have that level of discipline. I think there's this misconception talking with people that don't do freelance a lot of, oh, freelance would be great because I can just work from home and do whatever I want. It's like, no, you have to actually be more disciplined than if you were working at a studio. Because in the studio system, you need to be there between a certain time. You need to leave at a certain time. You have deadlines that are hard deadlines. You have bosses and supervisors who are physically there or you're in meetings with telling you you are a part of the pipeline if your part isn't done then the whole ship runs aground and right. an episode is late and it doesn't go on the air and then right. our show will get canceled right so you have to it's like you do have to discipline yourself at work but you have all these other forces that force you to be disciplined right. whereas if you're at home it's like you could just go crazy and just yeah. not be disciplined at all, and then you won't get jobs, and then you won't be able to pay rent, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. No, your method is sound. That is very <laughs> impressive.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like it's the, it's the. I didn't change schedule. Pretty much the same mm-hmm. schedule at work. Mm-hmm. I just bring it home. for, for me, it's easy. I don't have to keep track of. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. that I just do the same routine every day. <laughs>
1: I know for me, sometimes it's just so easy to, you know, not go crazy as in I'm going to just chill out till noon in my pajamas and then, you know, I'll just work later or whatever. It's I'll wake up early, work the whole day and just be like, you know, what? I think I'll work till one or two a.m., you know, just to get this project. And that's not healthy, you know, and I've definitely learned the consequences of that. But yeah, it's hard when you're freelance not to just push yourself way beyond healthy.
2: Yeah, I guess I, I have that when I was at studio, mm-hmm. then when I was at EA, that's how EA pushed the employee like, for mm-hmm. over a year, we are doing 10 to 12 hour days plus mm-hmm. Saturday. And uh, I still remember during one year, 4th of July, they have a huge company meeting and the executive is said, Hey, this week is 4th of July. You guys will have two days off during the weekend. <gasps> yeah. So all the ooh, and they're clapping yeah. their hand, oh. the whole floor is silence. We are looking at each other and said, I think everybody normally have two days off every week. Mm-hmm. We only get two days off for the fourth. Why are they so happy? Mm-hmm. That we are so upset and by that time it's already more than half a year. We are running a ten to twelve hour days plus Saturday. So a lot of people already get sick. Mm-hmm. Like physically sick, you have a cold, you have a flu, it just hardly recover from a flu.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Some people, they have to hospitalise for some other more serious oh issues. And like there are people with families, with kids, their family life is not very good and they are like divorce cases, separation cases coming up. Mm-hmm. So like everyone is really upset. And then I was single, I'm, a, I'm still pretty young out of school at the time. so. My body can handle it, but I thought I can handle it, but actually towards the end of the production, I still remember I was moving apartment at the time and I hurt my lower back and it never recovered. So I have to go to acupuncture because you're injured, you don't even have time to see a doctor. You go Mm -hmm. to see a doctor and then they say, well, you got lower back injury, you need to rest a few days and sleep Mm -hmm. and stuff. You don't have the time to do all that. You go to work, you're sitting there for 10, 12 hours. That's not good when you have a lower back injury. Mm-hmm. So that lower back issue still haunt me on and off to this day. And after we got laid off, my health meter is so low, I have to see, like, I, I'm not hospitalizing, but you're just always constantly tired. And that's when the time I suddenly developed some kind of weird stress, anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's not panic attack, but it's like you will get stressed for no, They say, normal day nothing serious you go to you you plan to go to grocery store and then do this and that and then halfway in the day your friends call you hey Alina would you like to come out and get together and then i would get panicked oh i can't get things done i plan the day and then you get a little bit anxious for no good reason nothing Mm -hmm. bad happened and then that's when i discover wait a second i'm usually a happy-go-lucky person i don't get stressed easy why do i get random anxiety and Mm -hmm. that lasts for two years Mm -hmm. because you're so tense at work all the time. The mental recovery takes longer than physical recovery.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: All the physical health issues take a year to recover acupuncture diet blood to reset your system mm-hmm. the mental stress take two years to recover after that i'm like this is not worth it yeah not worth it no it's not no and i think after two years i managed to figure out what how to handle those anxiety and then when i quit my job at lucas the first few years when i do independence you don't have income and then you get anxious those mental anxiety come back and i say, that hurt me but then now i learned so i it's like fruit experience i figured out how to when when i start feeling random anxiety it's like okay time to mm-hmm. back down
0: mm-hmm.
2: relax a little bit it's not worth it to kill yourself for job. Is it? it's important but then if you're not healthy, forget about any career. So mm-hmm. is it you, the moment I start sense the anxiety level is that, oh I'm not even supposed to have anything anxious about whatever. It's just normal everyday thing. Mm-hmm. If I start that starts to spike, I'm like, okay, pause, take a break. Mm-hmm. Because it's not worth it. The, I get that I think I learned that hard the hard way early on when I was at EA that two years of health recovery is like it's so bad mm-hmm. i never want to do that again <laughs> wow yeah it was pretty bad we have uh, one of my teammates at the time he's only early mid 30 super healthy dude he work out he doesn't smoke doesn't drink healthy dude and he gets so stressed from what he got minor heart attack oh
0: my god on the freeway oh. to work oh
2: wow. yeah and then when his wife called in that he's in the hospital and then the company reaction, how soon can he go back to No. Life? Yeah, the wife is so angry, it's like, do you hear yeah. what I just said? My husband got a minor heart attack on the freeway. And then when they do a physical checkup on him, they yeah. see what caused the heart attack because the guy is healthy. Yeah. And they can't find anything wrong with his physical health is that he's very perfectly healthy person the only thing that go wrong is his stress they Mm -hmm. do a stress test is off the roof Mm. so they said the only thing that goes wrong with the whole checkup is his stress level is dangerously high everything else with him is 100% 100% perfect mm-hmm. so that's that oh stress can really kill you yeah stress can kill you oh my god yeah
1: was this during the whole EA moms yeah. thing yeah okay. that
2: uh, the EA spouse right the, EA spouse. okay I don't
0: know what this is so
2: what oh, is they, this oh that, that's the time and soon after that, EA get a class action lawsuit mm-hmm. from the employee spouse because a lot, that's what happened is that a lot of people get hospitalized sick from overwork at work. and then they don't pay all. Tea. that's the thing mm-hmm. they make people work overtime for a year plus without overtime pay, and it gets so bad the whoever the wife or husband work at the company they never get to see their family because they work 10 to 12 hours a day in the office that's minus the commute so if you calculate commit, they never see the family. Mm-hmm. Right. And people have start having a lot of family issues because of that. And then you, your health go down. And that's people get a lot of hospitalized health cases mm-hmm. because of the stressful work situation. On top of that, you work so hard, you don't get paid for it. So a bunch of people sue the company and then eventually they have to pay all the employee back. But the payment, it, it doesn't cover the damage though, I have to say. Mm-hmm. yeah, wow. It pay it's nice, you pay a little bit, but uh, it doesn't cover... See, that's not worth
0: it. It's a video game. It's a cartoon. It's a movie. Just pay people. Don't give
1: them 12-hour days. Well, a lot of people don't understand how important unions are. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear people saying like, well, you know, whatever with the union, it's like, it's so great that the animation industry has a union because I have so many friends who work in the video game industry and they always tell me I wish we could unionize but Mm. it hasn't happened yet.
0: Yeah, We have a union but not every studio is in the union Mm -hmm. because I hear stories from people who work at studios that aren't in the union and I remember when i moved to la asking one of my friends from school oh where should i apply you know which companies are good which are not so great Mm one of the first things he done i won't name the company because i don't think it exists anymore but he just flat out said don't work here Mm -hmm. this place is garbage it's terrible and it wasn't a union place and they were severely underpaid and overworked and it was just a really crummy environment and i think the studio maybe lasted two or three years total Mm -hmm. like it Died very quickly. It's really not worth it. And to be honest, when
2: you. Mm -hmm grind and pour it down 10-12 hour days I remember it's like two. most of the time we barely animate a few seconds but you're just so tired your brain is not working you get to the point you feel at work all day every day like that mm-hmm. your brain stops working so normally say you can produce like 5 minutes of animation blocking or something in the day It sometimes it go down to maybe barely a minute because you're like I forgot how to animate mm-hmm. your brain just not work and you're so tired I, it get to a point sometimes we, we literally just Web PJ to work, especially on Saturday. It's like, who cares? Like wow. You're barely able to roll out of the bed and then sometimes, like, oh, that look like cute PJ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, people just say, you don't even care yeah. what you look. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So, after yeah. the, those, and then Tiny Color, yeah. it was pretty good in the beginning, but towards the end, it started getting bad, not as bad as EA, but it's also pretty bad. And then, a few of those experience in my career, I promise myself someday when I work for myself, I will work the way I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not going
0: to OT unless it's absolutely necessary. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Well, Alina, you have been very generous with your time, and it's been absolute delight talking with you today. And one of the questions we always like to ask at the end is, if you could go back in time and give some advice to your younger self, with something that you might say?
2: Um, that's a good question. I never think about giving advice to my younger self. Party. i think i'm still not sure i know what i'm doing sometimes <laughs> but i guess I, if is like, if i'd have to talk to my younger self I would say it's really not worth it mm-hmm. to kill your health for any company because they, that couple of year at EA, it is really not worth it, not for any reason. At the time I do it partly because I'm on a working visa and it's hard to change job when you're a foreigner on visa and with all the immigration application going on. But the, with perspective now, I feel like it's still not worth it to kill mm-hmm. yourself. It's like sometimes if you feel the workplace doesn't treat you fairly with respect, if i feel abusive it's important mm-hmm. to step up and speak for yourself or if you don't feel comfortable doing that hire an entertainment lawyer mm-hmm. to speak for you which later on when i have an entertainment lawyer is a lot better because they know you're represented by a lawyer they can kind of be a lot more cautious with how mm-hmm. they treat you because otherwise you can talk to the lawyer. He said, hey, I'm looking this crazy. I will not pay. The lawyer would totally step in and say, mm-hmm. that's not legal by California law at all. That's totally illegal to do that. Mm-hmm. So that would be my advice is that it's really not worth it to kill your health over a job. No matter how cool, awesome that job is, mm-hmm. Especially when you're young, you still have a long career, you don't want to burn out too early and definitely don't want to damage your health too early because you can't re- replace health. If your body is damaged, there's not much you can do about that. So I would will like, take care of the
0: health before career. That's a good lesson, because I mm-hmm. feel like the lesson nowadays is, isn't it cool that you're working 90-hour weeks and killing yourself for your mm-hmm. dream? And it's like, no, no. No, it's not. Actually, this is terrible. That should yeah. not be something that I feel like, especially just with, I don't know if this is a worldwide thing, but just with the U.S. society workplace thing, that it's somehow cool to not sleep and cool yeah, to no, not exercise not cool. because no. you're building something. It's like, that doesn't make any no. sense.
2: because it's a like you because sometimes when you were younger you don't feel the damage or it takes longer for you to feel the damage by the time you feel the damage to your health it's either a little bit too late or it could be harder to recover and that will stay with you for a long time and then as you get older whatever that leftover issue just get worse because when you get older your body recovers slower and then Mm -hmm. end up it just backfire on you say 10 years later you might not be happening now when you were in your 20s, but it could backfire when you were in 40s. And 40s is not even that old. Like mm-hmm. People do cool thing in 40s. So you still want to save up all the energy to continue mm-hmm. to, to do cool things. Mm-hmm. Because of people's lifespan, you can stay super young and healthy till 60, 70 easy. Like the people in the 60s, 70s, still highly energetic, mm-hmm. to do awesome stuff, have tried, adventure, career, great lifestyle, and you want to have those when you're older, so you definitely don't want to burn everything.
0: Yeah. So you can't not sleep in their twenties or thirties, because yeah. then you won't be like those people in those advertisements where they're seventy years old and they're walking in the woods, <laughs> and you don't know what medication they are on, And somehow they're still able to go kayaking every summer. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, oh, I wanted my drawing teacher. He's in his eighties, but he always take care of himself really well. He doesn't need medication. He's travel around the world, teach at different art school, get invited to different art school a different country, teach, mm-hmm. no medication, still healthy, still paint and draw. I said that's awesome. Awesome. And he's in his
0: 80s. He's like, I want to be like that. Yeah, me yeah. too. I don't want to die at a desk. Oh, yeah, <laughs> ugh, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Oh, Thank you, you. And that concludes our interview with Alina Chow. Special thanks to Alina for being a wonderful guest. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more people to find out about the show. And you can also support the show by visiting www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal donation button on the right-hand side. All of your donations help us to pay for the website hosting and technical costs associated with the show. And to see what else is going on in the world of animation, make sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash journey. On Tumblr, the site is theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at animjourney. And Jeff, where can people find you?
1: People can find me at jeffbot.com. On Tumblr and Twitter, they can find me at jeffbot, J-E-F-B-O-T. And on Instagram, I'm at shootzee, S-H-O-O-T-Z-E-E.
0: And to see what I've been up to lately, you can visit my website at www.sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, the site is sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And on Instagram, the handle is at soul. So that's it for this week. Tune in next time for another great episode. And until then, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.